Shut up and sit down. Go outside. See those kids? They're having the time of their lives riding their bikes. They know what's up. I ride my bike. I ride my bike all around. Yes, I do. Your addiction gets worse. You spend less time at work doing work and more time looking at bikes. I ride by all my friends and I wave hello. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Contrary to popular belief, owning a bike doesn't make you a cyclist. You have to ride it as well. Oh, my bike is very good. Become obsessed with your bike. Fixate over specs, head angles, and weird things like tire so I better have my helmet on. It's time to ride your brand new bike. It's so much fun just pedaling up and down. Yeah. One day you see a press release for a brand new bike. It's like yours, but 15% lighter, 35% stiffer, and it's red. Hi, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During, and I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Lance. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> to his right, Evan Price. Ladies and gentlemen of the interwebs. I have to do that because none of us are drinking anything, so I can't even ask what are we drinking. Do we have sparklings in there? Lance, I, I'll grab some. some drinks. Yeah, Thank I, you. I look for some, Evan, and they're are gone. Are they out? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Where did they go, Evan? I usually am the culprit. <laughs> I'm usually the culprit, We're but... Out. But I think last week I actually did not steal as many as I typically do. I got some in the van. You want me to get some in the out of actually? The van? Yes, in River Down he, by the van. He already did his intro, so that's good. We're, we'll just lock the door. It's just going to be me and Jake today. <laughs> nice. As Lance literally left the room and he's outside. He has now, actually left the room, digging yes. through his van. Cool, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do some backpedaling. You raced last week. Yeah. And you had a good time. And yes. I think, uh, well, it wasn't last week. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was about to agree with you. It, was, yeah, it felt like last week already. Yeah, it kind of was last week. Yeah. What happened? How'd it go? It was a blast. So this was Jake's second race, getting to be there with the dialed van and dialed tent, which has been awesome. We had at the duathlon a couple weeks ago, which I did not race, but just hung out the whole time and got to cheer everybody on. Well, we had probably 10 or 12 people, I think. About that, yeah. Was... And then 10 or 12 again this time. So it's yeah, actually we... a little bit more. I think we had 13 or 13, 13 or 14, yeah. somewhere in there. So thank you, yeah. Lance. Ooh, LaCroix, too. Which is just awesome. And it's I mean, cold. It's right out Ooh, of yeah, the fridge. Oh, yeah, this is chilly. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. The wine. Sweet. But yeah, it was. It's, it's just exciting to see that much orange out there and just everybody out racing again. I mean, it's been so... Because we did duathlons before, but this was the first local triathlon. Right. Yeah. I think since 20... I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure since 2019. I think you're correct. I'm, I'm almost positive on that. This was the first... Inside of Vancouver, Portland area triathlon since 2019. So a little funny tidbit. Like I brought out the team tents and yeah. I brought out the team bike racks and all that other stuff. And I had to drive down to meet Chris Weirman to get those and whatnot. Yeah. They've been sitting in his barn since November of 2019. There you go. That was <laughs> They hadn't been used since the last cyclocross race, or at least yep. one of the tents because I had the other one. But long story short, they still had cyclocross all over them. That's <laughs> but They were still muddy. A little dirty. Well, yeah, but they're uh, all good. Nationals in uh, Tacoma was muddy and nasty for several go. days. Well, yep. was all that... Oh, I guess it was up there for that, huh? Yep. Oh, yep. Well. I remember that, and that seems like forever ago right now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So... Just being able to see the tents out there, see a transition zone, 
have to put on a wetsuit for a local race again. Luckily for me, the race is at Frenchman's Bar, which is literally a bike ride from my house. So yeah. Josh came over in the morning, Cassie drove the car down, and me and Josh rode our bikes for our warm-up to, to the race, which was awesome. And uh, we, I mean, had a blast. It was, you know, local racing here, as I've gotten some messages over last week, just got fast. We got some <laughs> very very fast times at this race and i lost but i am fine it was don't get me wrong i Evan, i am obsessed with winning i am very champion. mad that i'm defending did. champion of the pdx tried no josh's because it was a virtual race okay okay so we joked right. that josh was the virtual champion he was virtually the champion the <laughs> last in-person winner was a guy from everyman jack i remember yeah. standing there taking um, pictures Devin of folk i think yep there we go yep um who I'll I'll tell you what though if if Ben Snod, ben, ben Snodgrass is fast and Devin Volker fast but the, if both of them had been there on Ben t- did it, not race no 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 Ben yeah. Ben did not race um that would have been f- I think I think Ben's recovering from some injuries and getting back to it now uh been biking very well though but uh yeah that that would have been even even a faster race I mean it was very 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 fast uh the guy who won is a 21-year-old uh, named Andy Kruger, who used to be on the Strive Triathlon team, which is a juniors team that operates out of the West Coast, or did. And um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Andy is fast. And this kid went to Queens College, which is unequivocally the best triathlon program in America. That's not a debate anymore. Sorry, Colorado. You're not even close anymore. Queens College, not in... in North Carolina. It's in North Carolina. Okay. North Carolina, yeah. And... Uh, he came out to play. He took his pro card this last year, too. So he's coming off a, set, a half Ironman race in St. George. And I'm going to get to race him in Des Moines. So it was a lot of fun to get to race him. Um, I To give a little race recap, as we were just joking before this, I lost the race by the time I left the water. So I come, I come out. You left the water, step foot in the water. Two and a two and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I step foot in the water, um, the, the funny thing for me is I actually thought I had a pretty darn good swim for myself. Yeah, I, I got to be realistic. I'm not going to be on Andy Kruger's feet. Andy Kruger went 24 mid for 2K at St. George. He's swimming with like a front wow. pack pro field. Yeah, very, very, very good swimmer. Um, one of the fastest in the college game and going to be one of the fastest in the pro game. And um, so I came out of you know T one basically already already with second place as the goal at that point. But uh, so he beat you by a couple minutes, two and a half minutes, two and a half out minutes water. out of the water. Yep, yep. And, and then, then <laughs> and then you had a little mishap. Had a little. In, I'll tell you what. In T one, d- dizziness is not fun, <laughs> and when your balance is not good, and you're trying to take a wetsuit off, and you fall over, it's not going to make for a fast T one. Right. Right. Oh, just embarrassingly bad. You know, for coaching juniors, I need to tell them like, watch this video. This is how you don't do T one. <laughs> Make sure you okay, don't wait. do this. <laughs> you came you came out of the water, you get to your spot, you're trying to pull your wetsuit off, and you fell and over. And I fell over. Okay. It was trying to get the left leg off, go to step on it like you're supposed to, and go to kick the leg, and stepped on it and immediately fell over <laughs> while trying to get it off still, got the shoes on, got on the bike, and you know, put that one behind me. We're like, all right, that was not the ideal start. That's fantastic. But um, got on the bike and actually felt, I mean, it's been just week by week there was no taper going into this race so this is my body's pretty used to now once we hit the weekend it's like okay you're doing a lot of sweet spot a lot of sweet spot um i'm pretty locked into a certain wattage right now to be honest like 310 watts seems to be what i put out for anywhere between an hour to two hours you now. can hold that for that i'll long. just hold that Fantastic. in the arrow position for a long time yeah. so i think i was pushing a little bit harder um i know once i caught john brenson who's a very fast swim biker 
uh, I kind of led us through the rest to try to reel in Andy. And um, in our heads, to, to me and John, I don't, I didn't think we were making up any time to Andy, but apparently we made up about a minute to him. So, so I put about a minute into Andy through the bike. Um, and then actually it, it would have been like closer to 45, 50 seconds, I think. Uh, we had basically an even T2 and then he had a great run and I was only able to put in maybe 30 seconds into him on the run. So you did outbike him, outran him, but and lost it in the water. But you could not make up the three minutes that you came out of bike T2. and run for show, swim for dough. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't know that. That I had no idea that's how the saying went. But apparently, that's how the saying that's goes. goes. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, was, it was super nice kid. He's like twenty one. Guy yeah. is so young and already fast. So I'll be racing him in Des Moines um, in two weeks. I hope that my and everybody's going to laugh hearing this because I'm the youngest person on this. My, I hope my old man strength. <laughs> Gets me to where I can run him down towards the end of that race. I'm planning on trying to be the hunter all day, which, because I know that I'm not the hunter in the water, so I need to get off and have a good bike run and hopefully land in the pro field where I hope I can. Cassie needs to get out and some kids get those, those dad watts rolling. <laughs> I know, right? Dad watts rolling. I need, I need that extra 10 watts. I for sure need that right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Nate Scott and I are working on a song called Dad Watts right now. We, <laughs> That's awesome. We, we were singing it as we were, we're going in the flogging yeah. ride this past week. It was pretty oh, funny. No. Yeah. <laughs> that Anyhow. is hilarious. But yeah, it was it was just a blast getting well out done. there and seeing I think everybody. Josh ended up fourth, Joshua Monda. Yep, Josh yeah. was fourth and flew off the bike. He's been running so well. Ran fast. 35 flat off the bike. Just awesome. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna tear apart Coeur d'Alene here in a bit. Yeah. Is Coeur d'Alene the full or full. he's doing the full? full? Okay. Yep. That's exciting. Oh yeah. That's that's right up his and John's alley. So him and John will both be going to Coeur d'Alene. I would not be surprised if you see both those guys in the top eight yeah wow i think josh will be podium i think oh. john will be i would just love to see that between five and eight i think is where john will lie for those keeping notes at home and, and mm -hmm. want to know what's going on in the world of uh, evan price pro triathlete what does the rest of the season look like for you what are some of the things still on the calendar for you yeah so i'm gonna race des moines um in two weeks which is really my like prime a race for the entire 2020 2021 season like that is a half a 70.3 yep. Okay. Yep, 2K swim, 56-mile bike, and a half-marathon run. So How are you liking that? I like the course. Um, it needs to be wetsuit legal. If it's not, that's okay, but I will be slower in the water then. And um, the bike is rolling, which I like. I like a little bit – like, I like some elevation gain in there. And the run is pretty flat, so I'm very excited about that. And it's a very long straightaway-type run. So it's not like Galveston where we're turning every half-mile. It's going to be very, very flat and, and – I just got a message from a guy I'll be racing named Tyson Wyland, who is a absolute stud on the run, and I'll be racing there. Um, and he he was saying he's like, yeah, there's going to be some guys there looking to roll on the run. So hopefully, I come off with a couple of those guys, and we're just gonna yes. we're I mean we're gonna go for broke. If I end up having to walk at some point, that's fine because <laughs> there's your a race you bury yourself. a race and you bury yourself. And yeah. I got very few chances in my life to go as fast as I in my head would like to go one day. And this is going to be one of those chances. So. You, just, you go full Alistar Brownlee yep. and just if you, run yourself if you do it until great, you pass if you blow yourself up. <laughs> there you go. At least you said you blew yourself up. So, Are there any big names there that you can uh, share with us? Yeah, I think a couple. Um, Rudy Von Berg was on the start list, but he's not going to be there. Matt Hansen, I think, is injured, so he's not going to be there. Sam Appleton will be there, who's very fast. Um, and there's a couple other names. Sam Appleton's the big one I'm remembering. I'll, I'll remember a few others. And then there's like, it's a huge start list. And there's a lot of like mid-pack guys. Yeah. 
which I love. I love looking at the list and being like, this is not a like world championship field there. It's not like 20 guys who are all going to be going and racing in Kona and, you know, IT world championships. It's a bunch of guys that are kind of quick, but not that fast. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a good field to race against, definitely. Like 50, 60 guys. That's exciting. A lot of guys. Yeah. It'll be I exciting. I, um, wasn't there, there was a half Ironman in Hawaii on the big island. There was, yeah. Yes. I, I think I, yeah. I, I only knew that because I have a. Lisa Worms race there. Oh, she did. Mm-hmm. She yep. went out. That's nice. I know. Yep. There's a guy that uh, I'm buddies with on Strava that um, he's 55, and he won the 55 age group. Oh, nice. Mark Pietro Fessa, I think. Good for him, because that was a competitive amateur field, because I think that that race has Kona qualifying slots, actually. He got a slot. Nice, yeah. That's one of the few half Ironmans that has Kona slots. It might have been one slot for his. I think it was, yeah. But he won it. He went like. awesome. 456. He's oh, 55 years old. That's moving. He went 456. That's, that's like becoming people's goals now is how long can you stay under five? It's like oh there's God. guys in their 60s now I know who are going, like Rudy Von Berg's dad is like 60, he's like in his mid-60s and still going sub-five, like well under sub-five, yeah. Just out of curiosity, did you catch the name of the guy, the old old gentleman? who The 93-year-old? Yesterday was his birthday. He turned 94, 94. yesterday. I have no what? idea who he is, but he's 94. He's he was amazing. out there... Racing? Doing a triathlon. Was it the try or the do? 94. That's a great question. It was one of the two. But either yeah. way, 94. Yeah. And he's like, I may not have beat anyone, but I sure outlived everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> there was, like, oh, was also awesome. one of the fastest swims of the day. I think she was either the second or third overall swim, or to including men and women. I think she was 60. What? And she oh, came swimming by Cassie. She was like 24 mid. She outswam me by like 20 seconds. Oh wow! Sixty-year-old woman, sixty. That woman could. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that woman could smoke most triathletes. Period. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. good showing. Yeah, it cool. was. In, I mean, we got a lot of fast local racing, which is just awesome to see. How about you, Hep? My week sucked. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I had a rough week. Uh, last last week, I did talk about that I was going to go to Mount Tabor and race my road bike. <laughs> And um, it was a very short race. Mount Tabor, super happy to have uh, road racing back in the Portland area. Sure. Um, Mount Tabor is, uh, it's it's more like a crit, but with a hill in it. It's The course is like 1.3 miles long. Yeah. And my race was actually only five laps. So literally 17-minute race. And um, I, I raced the 50-plus field. I had a couple teammates in there that I was trying to do some work for. Uh, I got dropped on lap three. <laughs> and then consequently thought, okay, I suck at road racing. I'm never racing my road bike again. Why am I even on this bike? Well, when was the last time you road raced? <laughs> it's been a couple years. It's yeah. been years. Yeah. Well, I know. For everybody, yeah. But if and I was so, jumping a cross race, I'd be dropping out the back in two <laughs> seconds. That's <laughs> I got there's kind of a, a longer climb in it. It's like a climb and a descent, and a climb and a descent. That's what the whole course is. It, it, you would be great at it, Jake. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I just I I had like ten seconds of bad decision making, and and I lost contact, and that was it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's back. a seventeen minute race. So. It was a yeah. seventeen minute race. Well, part of it is that in the fifty plus, like. You guys were the only ones running a race that slow, but the premise is they 
they're, they want you guys to stick around and do the 40 plus race as well. Correct. Right? It's like an hour later, and you oh, can recover gotcha. enough to do the 40 yeah. plus race. Oh, yeah. The 50 plus race is a warm up then at that yes. point. You can't crank they, the engine for 17 run, minutes yeah. like that. Yeah. They run quite a few races too, so they have to squeeze all that in. And yep. I, I just don't understand why, though, they don't maybe take a lap away from everybody and like build you guys Make up a little longer. bit more. Because if, if someone's going to stick around, they're going to stick around regardless to do that second race. Yep. It, 17 minutes, that's just way too short. But it's, it's, it's not my short. race that's to promote. It's than a crit. Yes. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> Normally crits, even for my age group, are like thirty-five minutes oh, or forty minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, to each anyway. their own. Yeah. Bercompas did pretty well. Matt Matt Bercompas went out there and raced it. He raced in the four or five, I think. No, five. It, there was a five field and a four field. He gotcha. raced in the five field and he took fifth or sixth. Six. That was he his first. Six. Six. Yeah, that was first his first race. race. Yes. I know that first shocked time. me once he told me that. And that it was, was a big first. field. There was like what forty or fifty people in it. Fifty people in that yeah. five race. That's it was the biggest Watch field out for of Matt. the night. going to be fast. Yeah. yeah, Matt's Matt is a well built like a climber for one for yeah. sure, but rides his bike very fast. So. Shabadoo did good. Yeah, so I was there. I was there to work for Shabadoo. Sure. So my plan, him and Hatfield. Yeah, I totally <laughs> failed. My whole plan was I was good job, Chris Froome. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was only trying to like cover moves for those two guys. I had no like personal, you know, goals in this race at all, other than to help Hatfield and Hannel, and uh, I blew it. <laughs> You've raced like a hundred times already this year. I think I've, it's okay to blow it every once in a while. I've raced seventeen times this year already, and a lot of it was on a mountain bike. So. Yep. <laughs> so I just I just blew it. But Shabadoo took third, and I think Hatfield was sixth. So they um they did well. I, I'm the only reason that uh, that Chris Hannell, uh, Doctor Shabadoo, the only reason he lost the race is because he miscounted laps. He thought there was one more lap to go. <laughs> Were they ringing bells for like? Premiums in the final yes, lap. Yes, he's hard of hearing. What is he like? Fifty or whatever. <laughs> Man, that I don't hearing, want to get upgraded. The hearing's starting to go. Yeah, <laughs> he's also cautious about. He doesn't want to get upgraded to a two. And and well, I don't blame him though. I don't blame him either. It's a whole different training regimen. Granted, he's got the horsepower, but he's not going to have any teammates to race with in there right now. No, he so would not. We don't have anybody. Like I would have been. Had, He'd be great regardless. Yeah. I don't care what. So he, he that guy in. I, he's going to be fast. He might have sabotaged himself on purpose. I could see. Sabotage. I could see himself doing that. Also, I've, I'm, I'm going to start firing shots towards Dr. Shabadoo here. As he needs to get on that time trial bike and go after a couple KOMs. Uh, I need a new target it. out I, there. I think he's working on it. I know. He, he's, I might regret those words because if he goes out there and puts a minute into me in one of these, I'm going to be like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> he did go out and uh, they did the Oregon Grand Fondo. That was on um, oh, yeah, Saturday. I forgot he did Saturday. Yeah. Um, he, him and Hatfield were trying to win the... Um, the the fifty plus Win division, the um, and they ended up taking second and third. They got beat by another guy. Um, I think, I think it was it was one hundred and seventeen miles, and they did it in under five hours. Yeah, they so, averaged like twenty one oh mid miles per hour yes. for one hundred and seventeen. Where did they where did they finish overall? I mean, they still had to be a pretty high up on the eleventh. I think oh um gosh. I think Hannah was eleventh and Hatfield was like thirteenth or wow. something like wow. that. So they were up there. Good on you boys. Yeah. So they were smoking it. Rest of my week, um I I even missed the flogging ride. I ended up in a swirling vortex of yard work <laughs> and, and, and mistimed my finish and uh did not finish my yard work in time to make it to the uh the uh, flogging ride, so I didn't make that. But I did get to go out and ride with um, Jake and Sean a little bit on... What day was that? Sunday? 
Saturday. <laughs> See, I'm totally. Yesterday um, was Sunday. Uh, yes, right? yes, Lancey's that's right. Recovery week. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. Need a recovery week. I am like, I am. I'm feeling crappy about myself right now. I feel like I'm hitting my mid-season slump. Yeah, which I tend to do. I need to like just chill my brain. Take some time. Bit. Just do zone two. Zone two riding. Well, I got to race this Saturday. That's not zone two. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny because so Sean and I we do our annual crash anniversary ride. It's the crash uh-huh. anniversary. So it was yeah. the three year anniversary of us getting hit by that car, and we went out. We did that same route. And Lance asked me like the day before. He's like, "Hey, what you doing tomorrow?" And I'm like, "Well, I told him." And he's like, "Oh yeah." I'm like, "You want to come?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come for sure." And I didn't hear anything else from him, so I just assumed that he was going to be there. And then I, I ping him like, "Hey, you still coming?" He's like, "Yep." And then like I get a text from him, and he's like nearby and he's in my driveway when I come outside to go ride because I wasn't quite sure where he was at it was I don't know anyway long story short he's he he wanted to come do the ride and then he's telling me how tired he is but and he's but he's gonna go do the ride with us but what he failed to tell everybody else is that he'd already done like 40 miles by the time he met up with us so he finished with like 80 miles on the day like 85 miles yeah with like 6,000 feet of climbing which is a big ride for me yeah I haven't done a lot of big long rides yeah, yeah, and riding well, with Sean give Martin right now some time too is just to do those type of rides. I mean, just just do I, some I big, yeah. just big zone two rides. Stay away from racing for a second. Well, it's a problem. I go with Jake and Sean. It's a race. And Sean's yeah. freaking. I I got dropped on every climb. Let's Sean's just put it that way. Fit. Sean's very. Every single time I've ever heard Sean Martin say I'm not in good shape, it is 100% a lie, and yeah. he's in really good sneaky fitness. <laughs> I, I invite myself on this ride with Jake and Sean, to get dropped. <laughs> and then they had to wait for me. <laughs> and I, when they were halfway up Gibson, and they totally turned it off so I could catch back on, I catch on, and I'm like, you guys, just go. I, I invited myself, so just don't let me hold. But no, they didn't. They just stayed with me, and at the top of the next climb, they waited for me at the top of Happens mid-season. I man. suck at road biking. <laughs> For like <laughs> ten more days, probably you're gonna suck at road biking, and then you'll click in. That's <laughs> all right. Let's wrap this thing up real quick. Sorry. I rode my bike every single day, and I think I'm at like 100. And, no, I'm sorry, 291 yeah. days in a row, or something like that. Closing on the one year. Yeah, we're closing on the 300 uh, days in a row. The the triple century. And we will be rolling in that last 65 days until the middle of August. And what's funny is everybody's going to want to do that dialed 100 again. And Sean and I are continuing on this thing, and I 100% blame this on him. I would have been perfectly <laughs> consent to stop one day after Hepler stopped. I stopped. <laughs> they refused to stop. Yeah. Oh, I would have stopped right then. Yeah. And Sean just wanted to keep going. He's like, you know what? We're just we're not too far away from 300, and, and next thing you know, it's 365 and whatever. But So we're going to end up doing this whole like one-year ride thing. Yeah. The day that one year ends would be... The day after the 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 next dialed one hundred starts, the hundred one hundred days of consecutive yes. riding, so it finishes on Thanksgiving. So, what am I going to end up doing? Am I not going to do that with everybody, or am I going to get suckered into riding another hundred day block? You're going to do another ninety nine days, four hundred sixty five days in a row, four hundred sixty four. <laughs> but my longest streak in the last three years is five days. <laughs> it's my longest streak on the bike. Congratulations, Five Evan. Days. It's not you smart. Stink. <laughs> Five days. Consistency. <laughs> anyway, so we had that ride. We did the uh, the Tuesday night gravel ride was fun. Yes. That we, was we talked a... about that last week because we didn't record oh, till that's Wednesday. Right. Yeah. I, I was gonna bring it up, but I remembered we already talked about it. I know the beach was fun. We I rode know. on the beach. We're gonna do that again. This we week. are gonna do that yes. again. Yeah. 
And then other than that, and we had our flogging ride that was a blast. And we had a really strong um, A group. And I was told that the B group was like hotter than they've ever been. So it was fun watching Oof. them. And we had a good size C and D group and saw some more new faces out there. And I think we were just shy of about 50 people uh, in total. Nice. So it was another fun and successful ride. No mishaps, no melees. Everybody just went out and had fun. The weather was great. And we're looking forward to doing it again this nice. week. Good times. Right. Cool. Good. We're going to leave all of the other stuff, the uh, the Patreon drawing and the lead out news, which I'm really looking forward to talking about that because it's, I, I'm hoping we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Unbound stuff from this past weekend. I have lots to talk about Unbound, but okay. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll finish up with one last thing and all that other fun stuff. But today, mm-hmm. this week, right now, we're going to talk about cramps. Yeah. I've had a lot of people talking to me about their race experiences and their, their training. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to quite a few people that are talking about cramping issues that they're dealing with. And they're talking to me about their remedies and what they're trying to do to solve their problems. And a lot of times, I think they might be not misguided, but maybe just a little off base in terms of why it is that they're cramping. And we wanted to get into that a little bit. So we're going to lean on Mr. Evan Price over here. Mr. Cool. Dr. Price, physical therapy professional. I am no dietitian or primary care physician, so let's get that off the table I first. have some thoughts on this as well. Yeah. But I do see muscles a lot. So. I got lots of experience. <laughs> so, and I do coach people who get cramps frequently. Yeah. So. <laughs> so the the common thing for a lot of people for many, 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 many years is, oh, I cramped, I was dehydrated, or mm-hmm. I need to eat more uh, bananas, or I need to potassium and magnesium, and yeah. I need to take more salt pills. Yeah, what do you think about all this stuff, Evan did, Price? Did you know a potato has more potassium than a banana does? Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's just Tastes one bad. one thing to start with. So, <laughs> also, if anybody was wondering, original cramping research done with hydration issues was sponsored by Gatorade. So, so anybody who says I need to drink more and hydrate more, just know that all of that information okay. you're getting from. I'm gonna, is sponsored research. I'm going to ask you some questions, Evan, yeah. because from from what from what I understand in my own research, yeah. we there aren't exactly sure what the mechanism is that causes cramping. You are right. Yes. Multi- okay. It can be a multitude Multi- of things. So there's yeah. there from, are multiple answers. So from, that's the first thing. Is right. If anybody ever tells you, "Hey, I'm doing this one thing because I heard somebody say this is the primary reason of my cramps," you already need to say that's probably wrong. There's multiple reasons. There's so. there's four main reasons that I can think of that people tend to cramp. One is dehydration. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody thinks right off the you know bat. Yep. I'm cramping because I didn't drink enough. The next is fatigue. Yeah, your muscle is just a specific type of fatigue a, though, which we will right. talk about. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The the third would be I'm gonna say undertraining. Yes. Okay. That's not everybody's case, but in some cases, undertraining. Yeah. Undertraining. Mm-hmm. And the fourth under is under exposure. Also. Yeah. The, yeah. F- the fourth reason for cramping could be neurological issues. Yes, absolutely. Or just nerve issues. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. Yep. Is that is that am I on the right Ooh, track? That's really good. I like I like those four. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd I'd put sleep and recovery into there too, but that's, the, yeah, I would say five. Sleep and recovery, I think, okay. goes into there too. Let's run around the table. When was the last time you dealt with cramps while in mid competition or training? I, think. I mean, like I've dealt with a couple the last two blocks of training where it's like once on a Saturday be getting a little bit, but the last time I had any actual issues with cramping, like real cramping issues was actually at St. Yeah. It was at St. George in 20, whatever that was 18 hot. Yeah. And that more, I bring up when I talk about cramps, I bring up that specific situation. Cause I know that I had the wrong ideas in my head as to why that happened. And the way that I shifted my training, I think cured a lot of that for me. 
but that's not the same for everybody. So when I say like, hey, this worked for me, that is that's a n of one. That's a that's a study size of one. Yeah. Jake's situation's different. I think Jake is somebody just from his history, knowing how his training goes, how dedicated, at least in the time I've known Jake, he has been to diet and making sure that like his hydration's not terrible and that sleep recovery, I think, goes into Jake's issues too. But I do think there are certain types of athletes that are more genetically predisposed to being exposed to cramping. Mm -hmm. Here's something that is not well-researched. I do think it's more muscle-bound athletes. I think it's generally more mesomorphic builds versus more Interesting. Um, ectomorphic builds, which would be me. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. Purely because your muscles require more magnesium, potassium, all these things that we talk about mm -hmm. than mine do. I mean, I have smaller muscle girth. That's a simple equation. Um, I do think if you're putting out higher watt efforts over and over again, which I'm not capable of, you're going to be more predisposed to cramps. Yep. Because we're talking about issues peripherally at the muscle. If that muscle has to produce more force frequently, you're going to walk that line finer. Yeah. Definitely. Guys like Nate, Nate Scott, I think is a great example too of yeah. that. Mike Guyvan, you're thinking, I mean, Mike, Jake, and Nate are the three better cyclists on our team that I know have this issue. Yeah. What do all three of them have in common? A lot of muscle on lot their of legs. A lot of muscle. A ton nice. of muscle on their yep. legs. Yeah. So what I do think gets way over, and here's here's the thing with what, whenever we're talking about people trying to drive that it's purely a nutritional or diet or hydration issue, is that's usually for some company's financial gain. Correct. When you're like, when, and I'll just, I'm not going to say any specific company because I all think that this is very important stuff to consider too, but like if X company says, hey, we have found the perfect formula for you not to cramp. It it completely depends BS. on your sweat rate it's and your sodium ridiculous. burn rate. Also, yeah. you could take the most novice endurance athlete, give them a perfect formula for sleep, recovery, diet, nutrition, hydration, send them up a hill 10 times, they're going to cramp. I don't care. Yes. Their system has not been exposed to that. Neurologically, they're going to be overwhelmed and their muscles are going to fatigue regardless of how much magnesium is in the system. Right. Like You have to have the exposure to that type of effort. And I know that because in St. George, I went all out on that bike going up a hill. I had not trained that way, not, not trained to that level of the, the, where I wanted to race in that race. Come off the bike after a 10-mile downhill. I was hydrating fine. I drank as much as I could, ate as much as I could. First 5Ks uphill, I cramp at the top of that hill. That was not me. Set. Like In my head, I was like, man, this is altitude and heat and no hydration. I got back home and looked at my training and said, like, nope, that was because you didn't train hard enough. That was bottom line for yeah, me. I did not expose my system to that type of effort. Overworking those muscles in yep. that moment, they they were not ready for they that. They were ready cramped. for it. Yeah, correct. I, I could yeah. have been at sea level with 60-degree beautiful breeze, and it was probably still going to happen on that same course. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll agree with all of this that you just said. And a perfect example is like a lot of the races that I was doing on the road, like the early season stuff, I just wasn't starting my – high intensity, high interval and, yeah, and having to repeat that over and over again, the exposure early enough in the off season. And we get to those early r races yeah. and even some of them where they weren't that much climbing and I'm cramping. And it's just because my muscle, the, the neuromuscular intervention there wasn't quite ready for that. Right. The, those attacks, yep. you know, like, like you could do it a few times, but when you burn all of those matches and you're like on and attack number more and more matches. 10, 11, yeah. 12, and then you're getting down to that last like two or three miles and you're trying to set yourself up and all of a sudden yep. you feel that little precursor, that little twinge, and then all of a sudden it gets tight and next thing you know, it just bam, it's done. It fires. Yep. 
It's the worst. You could be straight syringing magnesium into you and yeah. chugging Red Bull. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's happened to yeah. me twice this year in races already. Once was at the Sister Stampede, which was just last weekend. It was hot out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one 16-ounce um, bottle on my bike, and it was almost a two-hour race, like an hour and 50-minute race for me. That mm-hmm. was not enough. And I was burying myself to catch... Scott Carroll, and I started to cramp, and I actually had to back off because I knew it was going to go full-blown if I didn't go too hard. So I'm pretty sure that was a dehydration issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other time it happened was at the Gorge Gravel Grinder. I was um, three and a half hours into the race. I can't even remember, but um, Mm -hmm. when I hit the top of that final hill and I was trying to catch a guy in front of me, again, I started to cramp. But again, those are, I think those are both those are fatigue issues. Yeah, that one was a fatigue issue. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is most of us forget to drink too once we're fatigued. Correct. So this is where yes, hydration. Like, like anybody listening to this and they're like, no, no, no. I've read enough studies to know that hydration plays roles. Like absolutely in a lab setting, if you exhaust somebody's, if you're dehydrated, like I mean, yeah. if you if you throw somebody's sodium, potassium, magnesium balance all the way off, yeah, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. But I skipped an aid station at Gorge Gravel yeah. Grinder because I I didn't want to stop. I wanted mm-hmm. to keep my momentum going, and uh, I was low on water and dehydrated yep. because of that. Yep. The other thing is, and this goes back to the neurological reason for cramping, mm-hmm. I get cramps every single night when I sleep. Every every single night? like Every, every single night. night. Yeah. Just in my right leg. And this is a, I, I get them in my right calf, and I get them in my right hamstring. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm working that leg harder yeah. Yeah, than my left leg. It's because, leg that day. <laughs> yeah, it's because I have a nerve injury on my yeah. right side yeah. that's causing issues in my right leg. And so I get cramps every single night. And that is purely neurological. That is yeah. from nerve injury. Yeah. And it trying to like th- those nerves trying to regenerate on that side. Mm-hmm. It's it's all from that. And those muscles will fire and I I have to get out of bed to stop them. It happens to me every single night. It has for three years. Yeah. I don't get them every single night, but I get them a couple times a week. I usually wake up in the middle of the night, and I'll be dealing with a leg cramp. As a matter of fact, on Saturday night, I'm trying to get to bed because i got to get up at 4.30 in the morning to go out for the triathlon stuff to help you guys out. And it was like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, leg cramp, had to stand up, had to stretch it out. And I'm like, I don't need to be doing this right now. I need to be sleeping. (laughs) So that's a major nuisance. And that's, I can always tell, like, when that's my one train- of the biggest catch 21s, too. Yeah. You're like, rest and recovery helps cramping, also disturbs sleep. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I notice when I increase my training volumes, it will yeah. be more frequent. You like, start to feel it more. Yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. I, and I had it Friday night as well. And that was after doing the fog hat ride. That's a social slow Super ride. Super easy, chill. And it's just because my volume is up. And that's my body's way of saying, hey, you, your Reaching. volume is up. We're going to closing you know, in on capacity. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, mine, aren't, mine isn't from volume. It's from nerve injury. Yeah. 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 So I think it's just important for everybody to realize that it's, you know, you can read as many Google articles as you want about cramping, but understand that each situation is going to be different. All that cramping is, is your peripheral or your central system trying to communicate a message to you, is it? And it's usually a ceiling message. What I mean by ceiling message is I tell some of my patients when you get ceiling symptoms, which means let's say I got patellar tendonitis or something, and every time I run, my knee hurts. Okay, that means that, well, not, not every time you run. Let's say that once your volume picks up, your knee starts to hurt. That's a ceiling symptom. So that means, okay, you're reaching the capacity of what your tendon system wants to deal with. Cramps are you're reaching the capacity of what your neuromuscular system wants to deal with, that relationship between that nerve communication and that muscle. So you need to listen to those symptoms, but 
you also need to change then how you're training. So if you know, hey, every time I go and race early season and I'm doing big bomb watt efforts, yeah. I get cramps. All right, that means maybe during the winter you should do that more often then. You need to expose your system in a in a calculated way when you can on the trainer. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. As opposed to get to the first race and then I know because I hear people say this all the time, like, man, I cramped on the run. I'm like, okay, when was the last time you did a brick workout? Last race season. You're like, all right. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm pretty sure it was my hydration. No, like, it's I'm pretty sure it wasn't issue. your hydration. Because <laughs> I, I always tell the story, I know this is an extreme example, but um, when the Nike project did the breaking two originally, they had three runners, and I've talked about it on this show before. Tadase was one of them, uh, a Eritrean runner, uh, for a period held the half marathon world record. When they brought him in for testing, they asked him what his hydration plan was. And he told them he has never drank during a run in his life. What? Never drank on a run. Never in a race. Never in a run. And here's what I loved. <laughs> Nike thought, and there's very smart guys on that program. I, I love how I think they learned something from Tadase. Because in Nike's head, they were like, awesome. We've got the thing, the ticket that's going to get this guy to running fast marathons. Oh, you're going to run even faster. All we got to do is you. hydrate you. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. This is great. Just plug this man's system who's been running for 33 years off of no drinks. And if we give him enough of our magic formula, this guy's going to win. Nope. Blew up. Kipchoge beat him. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's bottom line is that guy's system had developed yes. to where over an hour effort or over a little over an hour effort, that man could rev his engine at levels that nobody else can in the world and it adapted to not needing water because what was he not doing as a kid? Drinking while he was running. So, wow. yeah. It's just one to show that, like, I'm sure that man has been very dehydrated during races. There's even studies that they do on East African runners that show their performance increased under slight dehydration. It's one of my favorite studies to point out to people who are, like, obsessed with the dehydration for cramps. And that shows whatever you expose your system to, it's going to adapt to. But if you make a quick, big change... Whether that's, oh, I'm going to go on this long ride and not drink water. You're like, right. all right. Or drink any electrolytes. Right. You're like, probably going to cramp. Or I'm going to drink way too much on this ride. Or I'm going to do a couple thousand watt bombs, even though I haven't exposed myself to that. <laughs> right. Expect that your peripheral or central system is going to communicate with you. And that communication can be a cramp. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm just okay. talking to my so, past self when I was But, but dying that being races. said, most... I, how should I say this? What percentage of the time do you think that people are experiencing cramps because of dehydration? Is that well, that's a good question? Is yeah. that usually the main culprit, or is is it just too variable to say that that's what it is? It's more often fatigue than it I'd is say, dehydration. I'd say the top three are rest and recovery is bad. Uh, your hydration wasn't appropriate enough for your sweat loss during the race or effort, and. The third, which I actually think, so I'd put those two and three. Okay. I think the number one is that you were exposing your system outside of what you've trained. Fatigue. Fatigue. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. How do you close? I mean, I, I would say it's two or three, but I do, I do truly believe, and somebody, I'm sure somebody will sit here and say you're completely wrong, which is fine. But I, I do truly believe that fatigue and not training for the exposure you just put yourself under is the primary driver. Yeah. Interesting. Which is why I think a lot of people get it early season. I mean, that, that to me makes more sense because I hear it in triathlon all the time. Yeah. People's first runs, unless you're the, five, the four of the guys I was racing at PDX this last weekend where all of us have been training for like 
months and months and months and months expecting a race, training for purely for races, which did yeah. not happen. And they never so. happened, right? So what else do we want to talk about this then? Are, are we just going to debunk that? Do you guys want to run through more myths that you've heard of in time or yes. wives' tales that, that are going to solve this? Compression sleeves. I have another myth sleeves. about yeah. about dehydration is um, if there is – if there's crusty salt on my jersey or my race jersey or on my cycling jersey, that means I'm dehydrated. Yeah. Do you think that's true? That means you shed a lot of salt. That's correct. It just means you're a certain type of sweater. That's, yeah. So uh, it, it's pretty common in drier climates that you're going to have salt or crusty yeah. stuff on your jersey if mm -hmm. you do a ride for more than an hour, yeah. period. It's um, also because in drier uh, conditions, the water will leave quicker. It evaporates I mean, yeah, quicker. Yeah, it evaporates quicker, so you leave the salt. Yeah. It does not necessarily yeah. mean that you... Human conditions are a little bit different. Yes. It doesn't water's going to stay mean, on your skin because it's not evaporating as quickly. Yeah. The only, uh, the only uh, difference to that would be if you were doing a triathlon and the swim was in the ocean... And you're wearing the same jersey on the bike. Oh you're, yeah, you have salt. All you're over gonna have salt from the ocean on your jersey. And then you think that you're sweating you that all out. It's like no, 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 that much. was yeah, Kona. So, <laughs> so that that could be an issue too. But uh, yeah, anytime you're more than a couple hours in mm -hmm. in drier climates, you're gonna have crusty stuff on your. You know, people have people have different sweat rates, and people have different sodium levels in their sweat as well, and that's. Mm -hmm. It's not a really easy thing to you know discover what your sweat yeah. rate is. You I mean you have yeah, to just like follow Lionel Sanders' channel. I'm trying to figure that out. My God, that guy's been over the last four years been obsessing with Gatorade over his sweat rate. Trying to figure it out. Oh, just, just obsessing over it. You yeah. have to weigh yourself before yep. the ride, weigh yourself after the ride, weigh what you would have drank, and weigh what you would have peed out. Yep. And then the difference. To all that is what your sweat rate is. It's yeah. really, it's really complicated. And then figuring out the sodium would take a lab situation. Have, have to, it has yeah. to be, yeah, a lab situation to figure out. Some people, and I don't know. I think there's too many. I, I always think whenever you're taking one athlete and doing one day of training and trying to get extrapolate numbers out over a long period of time, the amount of variables you have to think about going into that. Yeah, it's like, okay, where's their fitness right now? How they sleep last night? Right. How they sleep this last week? What did their training look like going into this? What's their mental state right now? Right. What was their motivation? What was I mean the the amount of like what what was the wind conditions like? Well, I mean the amount of things you have to consider that, and it just sometimes we get too numbers obsessed. We right. want an answer, so we want Especially that that infinite exactly. <laughs> we want that infinite formula. You ever seen the infinite right. nutrition where yeah. it's like. Plug in your sweat rates if you're a salty sweater, if you're this or that, and we'll give you your formula. Everybody thinks they're a salty sweater because they yeah. see salt on their jersey. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, here's here's the bottom line is when when your actual baseline research is already quite combative and like, you know, there, there's a lot of debate already. How can you be taking that level, then take an experiment on a person that would be highly variable, <laughs> right. even at the most generous IRBs, like even though the, the most generous research boards would call it very, very variable. How can you take that and then say, here's your formula for staying hydrated? I mean, it, money, obviously. Right. I understand that. Yeah. It just makes you money because it sounds cool. And people are like, no, you know, I like following science here, and I'm going to make sure that my hydration plan is exactly what science would say. Instead of saying like, hey, this is changes in fluid. You need to listen to your body, like period. <laughs> okay, let me let me ask you something then. If 
So because this is so variable, what what is Evan, what is what are the pillars? No, well no, what is your <laughs> hydration plan on the bike? What do you on do bike? on the yeah. bike? Um so my hydration plan is not perfectly scientific by any means. It's what I train to. So instead of thinking of chicken or the egg, I decided to go, I'm going to come up with what I think is a reasonable hydration approach. I'm going to train my body to accept that hydration approach. Okay. Instead of the other way around. Does that make sense? Yes. So I train for long blocks going into races so that I can continue to expose my system to this. So, for example, on Saturdays, uh, typically Saturdays, I will do some sweet spot efforts. Let's say it's four by 15 minutes. It's going to be about a two-hour, 15-minute bike. I will take in one Red Bull and then two things of Tailwind with one scoop in. Um, One scoop per bottle. One scoop per bottle. Two bottles and a Red Bull. So that's three drinks basically you add the red bull to your bottles or you drink i just it drink beforehand. the red bull just just while because these are always on the trainer i'm always doing erg oh mode gotcha these. Okay. these are always uh not always erg mode but usually erg mode so you're training your body to be adapted to red bull are you using red ball during races though uh yeah i use it at the beginning of runs now i don't so use when it on you the come out of transition you'll slam some red bull you have one in your you have one in your I transition go yeah except for an olympic distance i don't take in i, I take in like two sips on the bike during olympic distance gotcha um, so then I will, uh, make sure I finish Red Bull before I go on the run. I bring no water on the runs and I will do 12, 13 mile tempo runs. Uh, the reason is without yeah. any water or anything. The reason I do that is I want to expose my system to that slight dehydration. Cause I do agree. I agree that my body runs a little bit better, slightly dehydrated and in slightly. There's a fine line, but yeah. And in a race, you're going to get a chance to take in fluids every two miles. Yes. So if I need those fluids, which it's usually I go yeah. for Coke, I, I will take the Coke. I take the Coke and splash water. I don't try to drink water during a race. I actually like feeling a little thirsty. Now this is completely my specific plan. Cause I've trained right. myself to perform under those conditions. If I was in training on Saturdays and this wasn't working anymore, guess what I would do? Adjust the plan. I would say, yeah. all right, I need to bring a bottle with me. Josh brings a bottle with him. Works for him. It works for him. Yeah. Works for him, absolutely. He's got his cocktail that he uses, and it works perfectly fine for him. I've trained myself to make it 13 miles without needing a lot of fluids. I take one gel during a race, and that's an emergency. I, I joke it's an emergency gel. I've even not taken it during races and been fine. <laughs> It's just funny. You see people. That's when I started to get mentally foggy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take the gel. If I take a gel with some caffeine in it to hopefully Mm -hmm. focus you a little bit more. Yep. I'll even. This is going to sound funny. I'll hit myself during races to wake myself up a little bit. (laughs) I get very zoned out during the runs. Like very. You ever try to have a conversation with a guy running 530 pace over off the bike? It's talk to Sam Long mid race. I'm sure he's not going to say anything super (laughs) profound. If I start to feel, I'll talk to myself. If I start to hear myself slur a little bit, I'll yeah. hit myself and make sure I take like Coke at the next station. It's a little wake up. <laughs> I love Anything that. to, I mean, but like nutrition, I just, I, I always tell people what you want to race is how you need to take in your nutrition. So if you know during races, like I feel like I really need water each time I hit an aid right. station, then know that, okay, on the weekends when I'm doing my longer runs, I'm going to make sure that I take in water every mile or mile and a half whatever you want to do and you train your system for eight to 12 weeks to do that over and over on race day it'll work yeah so going back to the hydration thing and the sweat thing and cramping thing i've done some pretty big trainer sessions we'll say three hours two and a half three hours and i've done them at pretty high intensity and i will come away from that and there will be a massive puddle below me and i will be so soaking wet 
Now, I know that when I'm riding outside, I'm not going to be able to, to quantify exactly how much I'm sweating, but I can almost put guarantee a you. underneath you. Yeah, I can but, <laughs> Ring out your shirt yeah, and do it after. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just feel like I sweat so much more on the trainer. And I feel like we've done some pretty hard, like even team rides that have been like multiple hours long. You know, you've done centuries on the trainer before, yeah. Lance, and Evan, you've done them all the time as well. Yeah. Have you guys ever cramped on the trainer? Oh, yeah. I've, I've been close a couple times, but only, weird enough, only when I'm in the arrow position. And really? that's because the trainer sucks for the arrow position. I don't think I ever have Okay, on the trainer. No, I've done similar intensities. I've done, you know, similar volume, similar length, and I've cramped plenty of times outdoors. Yeah. And I've done it pretty repeatedly and i feel like i sweat less outdoors well i because I, you have evaporative cooling that's having on there you can't really quantify uh, exactly how much you're actually sweating on the but. trainer i do not believe you can have enough fans on you yeah if you have 10 <laughs> fans pointing at you, you need 11 it, it's still it's still not enough evaporative cooling from those fans that you would get from outside because you don't have fans pointing at your at your socks and at your legs mm-hmm. and at your back, usually, you know, and, yeah. and you get evaporative cooling just from being outside and yeah. moving along. So, so you're always going to have your, your sweat rate is probably the same indoors and outdoors. You just see it all indoors. Yeah. That's my guess. There's, I also yeah. think outdoors, think about this you're doing similar efforts, yes, but I know at least from our group rides and knowing how you ride and how we, we ride on dialed well, in general. You always are going to ride a little bit harder. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's, I think it's a little, I think, I think that, that, that might be that little ticking that, point. That it, might it might be. Because, I mean, be. when I'm in erg mode, I'll be honest, so, I mean, me and Josh have gone out and done our sweet spot efforts outside of Vancouver sure. Lake. I'm always 15, 20 watts more out there. Yeah. And I don't think that's the trainer to outdoor thing. I think that is more motivated by moving fast. Yes, or correct. Trying to drop somebody or do yes. you know? It's like when you're on the trainer. Or Strava it's like, is watching. When you're on the trainer, every <laughs> everybody ever who's been on a trainer, which I'm going to do when I go and get home, is the entire time you're questioning why am I biking? When you're outside <laughs> with friends in a group, right? Nobody's right. ever questioning like why am I biking? You're like this is a blast. So <laughs> unless you're getting dropped at Mount Tabor, and it's like why am I why am I biking? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious though. I'd love to see a study like or just hear from people in general. Like how many times have you cramped on the trainer? And that would be a cool. Like you sweat more. I know it's all people who swift race. I bet. Oh, did I ever cramp during a swift race? I was very close to cramping during swift racing over the winter because that's the one time where it's like it simulates that group right outside where you're pushing way outside what you should be doing. Yeah, for way too long. (laughs) That's okay. So we've we've kind of boiled it down to what we think is not think, but we're pretty darn sure based on what science says and not what marketing says. What's causing cramps? but it's still going to happen regardless. You know, you're yeah. going to make a mistake. We've all made mistakes. I've tried to change up my training. I've tried to do things, and I, I'll mm-hmm. still sometimes get a cramp. But I can sometimes make that cramp kind of go away a little bit, or I can kind of deal with it so that I can kind of get my, my bearings back and be able to finish a race or a ride the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. What are some of your techniques for dealing with a cramp in a mid-ride mid or mid-training session? Uh, for me, I have to... I have to completely smooth out my pedal stroke. Yeah, yep. that's a big one. <laughs> yep. You better not have any spikes. I had no spikes. Me and Nate I had just a funny talk be, about a flogging I, during I a flogging spin ride. in circles. I just got to <laughs> spin circles. I can't be like mashing hard down or yep. pulling up. I need to. I just need to smooth it out. It's and that 100% about watching those watts. Yes. Yep. My body is very, very fickle. 
and it knows like exactly where like 350 watts is. If I go above that 300 yeah. or that 350 watt, whatever the and you the better ramp up to it slow too. Yeah, 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 you better you better ramp up to that appropriately. <laughs> and if you've got any water left, you need to be taking yep. it. Yeah, because it could it could be dehydration. It could be fatigue. Well, it's the, probably there both was of those there things. was that flogging ride where it was hot for the first time. This is the one that uh, that I went to. It was really humid that day. I think. And this is when Nate was having a lot of Cramps, cramping yeah. issues, and so was I. And I realized there was multitude of factors leading to me and Nate doing that. We both had just worked full work days, so rest and recovery yep. was low. Uh, we both did not bring enough water or anything. Hydration was bad. And that ride is on the gas from the very start. And going very hard the whole time. Yeah, me yep. and Nate got way too competitive, and we're trying to take as many pulls as we could. And there you go. So me and Nate were talking towards <laughs> the end. Things. Towards the end, when guys would start to attack, me and him were like, easy, easy, because we had to like <laughs> ramp up slowly. Through, and like, okay, now we're good. If if one of us had gotten out of the saddle once, it was going to be over. Oh. Like we were, <laughs> something was going to blow up. So that's funny. So going easy on the watts. Nice smooth pedal strokes. What else are you guys doing? Oh, and taking in some fluids. Taking in fluids. That that's kind of that's all I. Can I would do. say try to stay in the saddle too. Hundred percent oh, agree yeah. with you. On I that. think I think when you go because I mean as soon as you go out of the saddle, the natural uh, progression is to plantar flex. So okay. your calves might go on you. So so what happens when you're when you're quad slams and then you like back off and then your hamstring <laughs> slams because I've had that happen too. It, oh, imagine your God, body's yeah. most desperate way to defend the motion oh it doesn't want to do anymore. Yeah. Anytime you're getting jumping cramps, like we're going from muscle group to muscle Have group. Have you had to stop and get that, off the bike? That oh yeah, absolutely. That yeah. That, that tells me that tells me more than anything that your system is actually try, like it's a central issue, which means that this is not peripheral. This isn't like, oh man, the quads are of work. No, this is like central system telling you whatever effort Something's you're wrong. putting in right now, we're is shutting this down. We're shutting this down right I, now. I did the uh the Grand Hincapi Grand Fondo in Boise a couple years ago, you know, and um, it was like 95 degrees and it was like an 85 mile race. Oh, God. And, um, and, and I, um, I, I was super dehydrated at the top of this big climb and I filled up my bottles and I was so out of it, I left without taking my bottles. <laughs> I left them <laughs> sitting. And so, and it was like this five mile downhill. And I didn't realize it till I was at the bottom of the hill. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm already dehydrated, and now I've left my bottles. I've got nothing. The, at the top of the next climb, I cramped so bad. Quads, calves, hamstrings, all three major muscle groups were cramping in both legs. I had to, I had to stop. I'm like screaming on the side of the road. Yeah. Some guy rides by and he's like, here, dude, take my bottle. You look like you need it. I'm so far gone. And that was clearly a central issue because I was... Oh, yeah. I was dehydrated. There we go. So, so we can keep going through case studies on this. What was that? Probably exposure fatigue. I mean, at so to yes. some level there. Yeah, I'm like miles dehydration, obviously. Yep. Yeah, dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't sleep well the night before, there you go. There's no. there's your third. Yeah. I, I, I slept in the van and and our AC wasn't working. There you go. I there's didn't sleep three. at all. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> number three. Yeah. I think the, the 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 one takeaway from this I want people to realize is that there is. Whenever you're talking about complex things like this, understand it's going to be a multitude of factors. Right. So as long as you're aware that there's not going to be the one, you know, holy grail answer where it's like, I have found the perfect scratch combination <laughs> and infinite that I will right. never cramp under any load of wattage ever again. It doesn't exist, man. I don't care. Like, I don't care how much money you just paid for that. You probably just ripped yourself off. So, like, <laughs> understand 
that there's a multitude of reasons. And sometimes if you just gradiate your training well, sleep well, and like drink a good amount of water and right. electrolytes without obsessing over it, you're probably going to be okay. So I think it's I think it's important to just realize that a nice middle approach is not is is probably going to help you long term. What are we missing, Jake, in in preventing the cramps? I don't think we're missing anything preventing. I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing is just making sure that I'm physically preparing myself and kind of overreaching well before I get to that race so that when I do get to the yeah, race, that I, yeah, well, it's mm -hmm. prehydration, but it's overreaching in the training too. And that's not oh, yeah. like a week or two before that's months before. So that when I get to the race, that race is well within the scope of what my body's capacities are. Right. So mm -hmm. that I know that, all right, this is my time period. So I, I got that part covered and I know I'm going to burn this many matches during the, down there during that, mm -hmm. that race. Yeah. And I've, I've, you know, maybe we'll say it's 15 and I've been going out and I've been doing training blocks that have 20 in there. So that's within my, my wheelhouse. Yeah. And hopefully there won't be any other external factors that are going to play a, you know, a part there, whether it be like poor sleep or excessive heat or just yeah. something along those lines. I mean, I've had, I've had races like where we went out and we did, um, what was it? The uh, the Barton Circuit Race, the Barton Park sure. Circuit Race, and I remember doing that race. Like this was the first time I was out there with our, our um, teammate Michael Myers, who's no longer with us. Uh, just a great guy, and that was one of the very fun races, like one of the first races that I did with him. We're out there doing this, and it was eight laps, and it was like what a six mile and change lap, and there was this climb on it called the wall. Yeah, there was a wall on and it, and it yeah. was just it was a big kicker real slight little reprieve and then another even bigger Big steeper kicker. kicker yeah. And you just had to go up that thing eight times at race pace. That's and, terrible. And it was just like monotony. <laughs> and this, the seventh time we went up that I cramped so bad <laughs> and Michael was just done. He fell off the back and I'm breaking a cramp every single pedal stroke to get to the top of this thing. And I got to the top and I, I put my nose down and I'm like, just keep your Watts, manage your Watts. And I, I, I lost contact with the group. I was probably a good hundred, 200 meters behind them. And I just put my nose down and for whatever reason on that last lap, they kind of slowed up just a touch. Cause I think there's a little bit of that cat and mouse game going on there. Yeah. I kept my nose down and I kept the Watts under 350 Watts and just time trialed. And I made it back to them on the, the, the long, slow descent on the backside. And I sat in and I stretched I smooth pedaled. Yeah. I drafted. <laughs> yeah. And there was one other thing that I do from time to time that seems to help, but that's a, like a little bit of a percussion on the cramp itself, like yeah. almost like hitting it a Vibratory little bit. Laboratory massage. Exactly. Yeah. So uh -huh. I'm like kind of like doing light punches with my yep. fist, like on my quads yep. and, and my calves. <laughs> and I was just working it out and I was not attacking anything at all. And we get to the, that eighth and final time of going up that thing. And um, I won. Yeah. How, how scared I, were you going into that climb that oh, you're like, God, I seriously, like, I got a saddle. This is going to blow up. Gonna, blow up I, I thought I was done. But here's the thing, though, is I still cramped at the top of that. I, I, I managed myself. It was the second kicker we went up. I got out of the saddle, and oh, that's God. the big yep. no-no right there. Yeah. I'm like, you got that, that was the only shot I had. Uh -huh. I had to get out of the saddle. I had to create a gap and some space there. Yeah. And I was pushing so hard, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs because every <laughs> single time it was breaking a cramp, I just had to get over the top of that and then somehow convince my legs that you can just hold 350 watts for that last couple hundred meters, but you're not going to be able to out-sprint anybody to get the, the, yeah. the very finish. You because get right. some space. You get to the top yeah. crest, it comes down ever so slightly and bends a little bit right, and there's the finish line that's like 100 meters up. And I just need to create that space, and I, I managed to do that. And I remember getting back to the car, and I didn't say anything to Michael. He, um, he had 
he went a different way back than I did. I don't know what it was, but we met up at the car and he's getting all of this stuff and he's putting it in the car and he thought that he knew I had cramps and he uh-huh. thought that for sure that I was done and he had already put all the stuff away. I'm like, I got to go over here now. And he's like, why? I'm like, I got to go do the podium. He's like, podium? He's <laughs> like, you're on the podium? I'm like, yeah, I won. He's like, what? It's <laughs> like, you were like in tetany. Your legs were like fully cramped. And yeah. So that that worked out well for me, that little percussion thing. And like Lance said, the, the smooth sailing and or smooth yeah. pedaling and, and yeah. whatnot. So um, yeah, that 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 was kind of my little fix to that. And I've used that method quite a few times. It's happened to me quite a few. It's like just going on on long, aggressive yeah. team rides with the yeah, legs. Yeah, so to feel it. Jokers on our team that like to go long and hard. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so we got too many of those anyway. guys now. Um, too many. Any any other things on the the how to or the solve list? Know your limits, folks. Know your limits. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, are you having to step out now? Having Kevin's to step out. Joke. Yeah. Okay. Kids class and some stuff. Thank you for your time. No problem. Um, we were gonna do a, a tour to France. Um, kind of like a little preview. We're going to start like a little three-week series, I think it is, of just talking mm-hmm. about some riders. Is there just a couple names that you want to throw out oh. there? And we'll pick you apart after you leave. I'm going to be so boring here, but I will tell you what. the My my bet is going to be so safe. It is going to be a battle of the Slovenians. The end. It is going to be Roglic versus Pogaccia, and then the battle for third will be one of the most exciting battles for third in the tour. You think so? Huh? I've got my third pick already. Richie Port. <laughs> Richie Port. Okay, yeah. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yes, it's Richie Port. Oh, my gosh. He's still standing firm on the fact that he thinks that Richie Port's going to be their Too GC predictable. Guy. I love it. Called that a year ago. Two years ago now, actually. It was two years oh, ago. What's no. your call on Chris Froome, whether, whether he even oh, makes okay. yeah, the no, team? Yeah, is no. he even going to make it to the tour? I love how Chris Froome says, he's like, okay, I'm not going to win I'm the not tour, win but the I'm still tour. going for tour wins. Like, really, you're going for stage wins, Chris. I'm sorry. Chris Froome deserves respect. Like, that man should be able to retire, and people say, like, he was one of the best GC contenders ever. <laughs> but the fact that in that man's head, he thinks he's going to compete for stage wins is delusional because he's not right. even close. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. He's done. Yeah. Poor Chris. That was so tough to watch the criteria. It's tough to watch that guy get dropped off because you know he's been working so hard to try to be there. And it's, it's too just, much. Yeah. He's he, too too deep of a hole. Doors fast. Um, I do have another like little dark horsey pick that we're gonna talk about. I think two stage wins for Americans. That'd really? be fantastic. Yep. Sep. Some real yeah, I think either Lawson Craddock. I think Lawson Craddock or Brandon McNulty has yes. also oh, McNul- yeah, yeah. McNulty has McNulty's been- looking great. Yeah. Yes. There's gonna be some some Are they young both Americans. On EF still? No, McNulty's Who's McNulty? UAE. Yeah, he's oh, UAE. 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 Gotcha. Yep. UAE gotcha. EF and then um Jumbo Visma first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. There's a couple other Americans that are gonna be, awesome. be Good in there coming up. Yeah. See, we yeah. got talking about TDF, and now Evan doesn't want to go. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, I go. We will for sure in the next couple of weeks be talking about that. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> Appreciate it. Cool. All right, Lance, what do you think? Uh, Tour de France? Yeah. You know, I wanted to say that uh, Remco Evenepoel would would have um, done well, but um, he did his first Grand Tour at the Euro, and um, he didn't even make it through the whole thing. Yeah. He, he kind of fell apart. So he's he's young. He's twenty one still. So that that I I was hoping he just has showed so much promise and he's been so strong and some he just hasn't done three week you know stage races. Did they ever decide or come out or talk about what they took out of his pocket? What no. was in that vial? No, no. It no. just kind of like buried that. Yeah, swept it under the uh, the rug. Yeah, it's nothing else has come out from that as far as I know. Gotcha. So it kind of went away. So Evan Poole. Um, but I, I do think Evan's right. I do think that um, it's it's going to be a battle between uh, Pogaccia and um, 
Primoz Roglic. Roglic. Yeah, you know Bernal. If if I mean he he won the Euro, so that shows some promise. Is it, it too much to race the Euro he, and then back it up with the Tour? Maybe. Did he have any back problems during the Giro? He didn't. Okay. His and back didn't bother him. He had, in the last week, he had a couple of bad days, yeah. but it wasn't enough that he lost the, the Tour. And he only won it by a minute, which gotcha. is not very much in a, in a Grand Tour. All right. So... Well, how about that? We'll just we'll leave it at those names for now. We're just going to put some names out there just to kind of like start to stew around and talk. And I'm sure those names will come back up again. We'll have a list of names next week when Evan's here and Matt as well. Um, Matt was swimming with the fish today. Yeah. And uh, we'll start just talking about more riders. They're going to be doing this whole um, Tour de France thing coming up next month. Kind of getting excited for it that. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. I can't believe it's already here. Yeah. Well, almost already almost here. Almost yeah. here. Cool. How about we do some Patreon drawing stuff? Um, we've got our big bin of uh, goodies here. And uh, Nathan Skanky, who won a few weeks ago, um, I did. he didn't pull anything out of the uh, the bin. He actually decided he wanted a, a dialed hat. So we, oh, worked, cool. we worked that out, and he should actually be receiving that. I think even today, maybe. I don't know. But luck, I, oh, I get, I get to pull it out of here. Yep. So, All right. Drum roll, please. Do, 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 do. Hey, she's won before a bunch of times. What do you think her name is? I don't know. Dove Eric. Oh, Dove Eric. <laughs> I guess we uh, we started over. So she's won a few times, and she just won again. Dove, if you uh, want to reach out to us, um, your name is now going into the winner's baggie, and you're not going to be eligible to win anything until everybody else is done here, and we'll put everyone back in the uh, little jar. Um, but if you want to reach out, let me know what you want out of that bin. I'll send you a, a picture, and um, once I get an email from you of what's in there, and you can pick and choose, and we'll drop her in the mail, and you'll uh, be all set. There's only seven non-winners left in there, so your chances are getting better. Better, better and better, folks. <laughs> oh, and if you want to become a new patron, we'll put your name in there, and you can be a part of that little select pool, and you'll win something sooner than later, right? Yes. So um, if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to dialpodcast.com, and you can click on the Patreon link there to get yourself um, set up as a patron to help support the show. Just a couple bucks and uh yeah you can help us out love it yeah, it's good stuff cool beans um champ here i'm all about having champ right. here all right champ all right champ, champ, here. champ here that's all we need is that bit uh <laughs> probably the biggest race in the country happened this last weekend with is Unbound. there a bigger race in the country on any platform any other than maybe iron man i i i don't know i don't i don't think so it was just it, it just went off phenomenal. It went off huge. Yeah. So Unbound Gravel happened in Emporia, Kansas, in the Flint Hills of Kansas. It's a they actually have several different races. There's the big the main race is the two hundred mile race, which is actually two hundred and four miles or something like that. Five. Uh, and it and it's almost twelve thousand feet of climbing. Yeah. I was wrong last you, week. Yeah, I asked Lance about that on our race or not race. I ride on the over the weekend. Like, how many feet of elevation elevation gain was it? And I think you said it was like oh, I think it's like five or six thousand feet. I'm like, no, I thought it was more than that. It was more like almost twelve thousand. It was twelve. Yeah. yeah, it's there's no big climbs. It's just all these rolling hills. And after two hundred miles, you're gonna rack up, up some elevation yeah. gain. So, um, it ended up being a very difficult day out in, on the course. Um. The uh, it, it was you know 85 90 degrees and high humidity, but the biggest thing was the last hundred miles um, dealt with a pretty stiff headwind Ooh. for the whole last hundred miles, Ooh, that's like tw- like in the twenty mile an hour range of seriously, headwinds. yeah. Oh my lord! So if you were if you were by yourself or you weren't in a group, you were um, suffering for sure. So um, pretty pretty crazy. Um, 
there's there was a lot of big favorites in this race, um, in the men's race, but uh, it ended up coming down to uh, four former World Tour pros. <laughs> yep. And uh, it came. It actually came down to a sprint finish between Ian Boswell and Lawrence Tendam, and Ian Boswell ended up winning by a bike length. That is so close so after all of those variables and that much distance yes. on gravel with headwinds. On gravel. He won bike by length. bike length, which yeah. is just kind of amazing. Um, there was a group of five uh, together you know, in the last like 50 miles or so, which included former winner Colin Strickland and Peter Stetna was in there and also former two-time winner Ted King. Yep. He was, they were all in there. Um, Strickland got a flat and kind of lost contact. I thought he had a chain issue, a chain dropper. That chain. was Peter Stetna. Oh, Stetna. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Stetna attacked on one of the final climbs, and near the top of the climb, he had chain suck. Yeah, a little chain issue. And he there. had to jump off, and um, it was just it was just enough of a gap that he couldn't pull it back. Yeah, he couldn't pull it back. So. Um, he, he, him and Ted King finished a minute back from the other two guys. They must have really turned it on at the end. They were just trying to kind of bury themselves to get there, which is kind of crazy. Do you think it was them burying themselves as much as it was for them just to try and get rid of those guys? Like, hey, let's work together to make sure that they don't catch back on? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because it was, it was Ted King and Peter Stetna working together. Yeah. And Lawrence Tendam and, um, and Ian yeah. Boswell working together. They were they both had a group of two that they were kind of trying yeah. to work each other. And it was, you know, it was a minute long gap, which is not that far, but they just kind of sure. held it. So pretty crazy. Um a lot of other world tour favorites all kind of crapped out. Um uh Quinn Simmons, kind of a controversial figure because he said some anti-racist stuff on Twitter last year and he got some flack for that. There are a lot of people that did not want to see him win uh, because of that. He races for Trek Secafredo, and he also won the world championships for the in the junior race um, two years ago. Um, he got a flat tire and uh, uh, was tr- chasing back on after the flat ended up crashing because he was taking some chances and ripped his knee open enough that he had to go to the hospital for stitches. Oops. So he got pulled from the race. Or he didn't get pulled from the race. He, like, bailed. Yeah. Uh, Pace McKelvin, who um, he, he, we love him on the show. He is a fantastic racer and whatnot, but he was dealing with Giardia symptoms mm, for the yeah. whole week beforehand. Um, he ended up on race day feeling actually pretty good, but mile 25, right at the beginning, he dealt with a mechanical issue that um, I haven't been able to discover what that mechanical issue was, but it held him up by 25 minutes what? to solve it. Um, enough that um, he he was out of it. And did he finish the race? Or he did. Bail? He did finish the race. He okay. still finished. He said that he counted. He passed like six hundred and seventy-five people. That's <laughs> <laughs> how he kept his brain going by counting the people he was passing as he was trying to catch back on. And he goes. And he even said, you know, the back half of the race, everybody. Everybody just loves you. They're like, yeah. oh, Payson, yo, go for it. Oh, it, people would stop and say, what can I give you to help you? What? what how do we yeah. solve this? You know, yeah. he just said, the feeling in these gravel races is just, it's just different. It's more of an event and less of a, 
of a it's a community measuring it's, contest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was kind of exciting. Um, but all the other World Tour pros that were there all kind of um, kind of crapped out. Um, how about Dylan Johnson? How did he end up? He ended up twelfth. He actually did quite well. Yeah, we were checking results like as the day was going on, and there was a point in time where I saw him. I think he was like twenty sixth or twenty eighth place. So yeah. he uh, he made up some time. Um, interestingly enough, twelfth was an hour back. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, ten and a half hour race, it's you're gonna be. Yeah, you I'm know, sure he'll have a recap video that he'll put up on the station. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that. Like, did he have a mechanical? That, did he have some way. hydration issues? Did he have some food or was he giving it a hundred percent and those guys were just that much faster right so, so he's got a lot of upside i'm curious to see yeah. how he does so that was that was all pretty exciting to watch on the women's side um the the race was won by uh lauren di crescenzo am i saying that right she's a brazilian, brazilian athlete yep. um if you follow it on twitter <laughs> Uh, Jeff Kabush, he's a former winner, and he's a very vocal uh, Twitter guy. Um, uh, he definitely did not want uh, Di Crescenzo to win because she has some uh, suspension history yep. for positive tests in her history. However, she dealt with a traumatic brain injury on a on a bike race where she spent this was five years ago. She's still coming back from a very bad traumatic brain injury where she ended up in a in a rehab facility for two months. Oh, wow. So it was significant. And the fact that she was out there racing again, you know, is fantastic. Her her suspension history is a long time ago. However, her, she is being coached by Tom Danielson, and he has a lot of <laughs> drug history as well. And so there was a lot of Di Crescenzo hate going on in the Twitterverse. Really? Um, yeah. Let me. I'll just say. Well, that. So it, what it's do you a say? tough situation too because, well, like we've talked about before, these aren't sanctioned races by like governing bodies that They're are going to go out and test. So that is also correct. She very well could be showing up now. It's just speculative, but it's I mean, all speculative. You don't know for sure, but how do you how do you go about the testing procedure here yeah i i, I don't know there's no sanctioning body so I mean, it would be kind of cool to be keep it like decentralized but it would also be really cool if everybody were just to kind of volunteer and step up and say i'm gonna pay for myself right. to be tested and i'm i'm clean right <laughs> I, I mean i think that that would be a good way to go and if you're gonna say no i'm not then you're just gonna have that scarlet letter on your chest of i'm i'm think. refusing to be tested well why yeah yeah so uh, second place in the women's race was Amity Rockwell. She won it two years ago, so she kind of backed up her. Um, she she made up some ground in the last fifty miles too, so which was kind of exciting. She was like not even in the top five, but she ended up sure. pulling herself in there. So kind of um, kind of exciting. Yeah. Lots of uh, big names. There was a three hundred and fifty mile version. Yeah, they call it the Unbound XL. It's a three hundred fifty mile version. Um, some dude did it in 22 hours and change. He averaged like 15.6 miles an hour oh for this gosh. for 22 hours. He did not sleep at all. Uh -huh. a, a lot of racers. There's only like there was only like 20 people that actually finished the XL. Yeah, the 350 miles. Um, but pretty amazing that uh, he did that. the The women's XL was won by Lael Wilcox, who is a it's kind of renowned for the legend ultra for yeah. ultra cycling. Yeah. Actually, Leo Wilcox was just last month was in in Oregon trying to 
uh, take the fastest known time on the um, Oregon backcountry route that's held by Stephen Hartzell. Okay. Uh, she uh, did not get uh, Hartzell's record. Um, it, it's like a 400-mile route across backcountry. Um, oh, wow. Backcountry Oregon. Maybe 350 miles or something like that. So, Leo Wilcox is a hitter, but she she was second in that. They also had a 100-mile um, race and a 50-mile race. I should have gone out there and done the, the kitty-kitty race in the 50 miles. That would have been uh, great. Anyway. So, our teammate, Chris Surratt, was Chris there. Chris Surratt um, went you, out there. Have you talked with him? I have not talked with him. I wanted to call. I'm like, nah, I don't want to bug him. He's probably just shelled right now. And I'm like, text him. like, nah, I want the full story. I don't want to just go back and forth and test him. I'll just wait until he gets back home. So, But you said that he didn't fly there. He drew, drove? He drove. With his wife, know, right? Yes, with his wife. You know, Kansas is right in the middle of the country. And so, from here, it's, it's really only like a two-day drive. It's not that and having his own vehicle, his wife having his own vehicle, not having to pack up bikes and fly. You'd have to fly into Kansas City, and then it's like a three-hour drive to Emporia. It just, it, just it made script, more sense for him to just... Take your creature comforts, all your yeah, stuff, and just take so, your time, yeah. So they drove out there. Um, what was... Um, his little... So you've got your time. Strava post here, and it's posted, and it's the titled 2021 Unbound Gravel, and the, he's in the 200-mile version of yep. it so he did the, the he one did the that, big one the big or, one or the the main one yep and then there's the description underneath <laughs> this is the part because if you know chris surratt he's about as tough as nails as, yes, as they is. get i mean he just he will do everything he will go hard he'll keep up with everybody he'll never complain about everything nope. and he he doesn't really like you ask him how to go went good it's just like he's just always so even killed yes and the first thing it says hardest thing i've ever done on a bike period <laughs> That's it. I mean, if Surratt's saying it's that hard, I'm like, ooh, maybe I don't need to have that on my bucket list. I mean, that's 205.92 miles. It took him 13 hours and 43 minutes, and he did 11,611 feet of climbing. Yeah. The um, the metric that they give you for how hard your um, your relative re- effort it was, I've seen mine before in like the 300s, maybe, maybe a 400 in there. Yeah. This one was 719. <laughs> my good oh my gosh, God. Chris. Like his calories, I mean, he probably burned what, eight or nine thousand calories yep. on that? It's just absolutely bonkers. So it's uh, the day was really hard for these mid packers, or even if they were in the uh, Chris was in the front part of the race, you know, not the front part, but you know, in the front third of the race. Sure. It was difficult for all of them because. That last hundred miles dealt with these twenty mile an hour headwinds, and if you weren't in a group, you were suffering. Yeah, I I do know um, from some exchanges with his wife that he had come into the um, the the aid station at like at like mile one fifty or one forty, and he was ruined. He was done yeah. at that point, and he still had sixty miles to go, something Ugh. like that. Yeah. And he took some time in that A station. He wasn't even sure he was going to get back on his bike to finish it, but he did, and he rolled his leg over that bike and ended up finishing this race. He ended up beating... Once you're out of the race, the the next big goal is to beat the sun, to to make it to the finish line before the sun goes down. Yeah. 
and he crossed the finish line 40 seconds before actual sunset. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually beat the sun, which was... Okay, it says, insane. with about 40 miles to go, I did the math and realized I could still beat the sun if I pushed. Kicked it up a notch and absolutely buried myself back to town. Beat the sun by 40 seconds. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, just just amazing. That's kind of fun. Well, like that, if, if he didn't have that, he probably wouldn't... I mean, he probably would have maybe taken another hour. You know, you don't know. But That's just having right. that in the back of your head to take your mind off of how yes. bad you're hurting, how much you're suffering, and how much everything sucks, and you start crunching numbers, that really helps the time go by. Uh, I, I've been asked by lots of uh, teammates and fans of the show, hey, why aren't you doing uh, Unbound? <laughs> I have no interest in being on my bike for 13 hours. Yeah. I can't. I, I, that just is. I've done some big long stuff, and I I just completely crumble, and so I'm not really. I'm not a hundred percent opposed to it. The, the The hard thing for me is like finding the time to make that happen, to train right. for it. I just I don't because I wouldn't want to just do it just to finish it. I would want to do it to have a respectable time. Yeah, I'm not going to be anywhere close. I probably wouldn't even come close to what Surratt's time was. But you know, to do it in under 15 hours, I I don't know if I could do that. But to train for that. Yeah, it's just got, a it's a big commitment. You got to have some you got to have some seven or eight hour days. Yeah, just just prepping for that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't have that time. Maybe once all my kids are you know graduated from high school and off and doing their own thing, and it's just me and my wife, and I've got a little bit more free time. Maybe, but now yeah, but I'm see, getting pretty old. <laughs> but I'm there, and I have no interest in doing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to do that. But you know what? If I said I was going to do it, and I, I came to you and said, and there's a, another half dozen of us, do you want to come with us? You'd be on it like stink uh, on Yeah, you're right. If yeah. there was five or six of us out there yeah. just rolling together, you yeah. bet. Yeah. That I would be a it. blast, I think, just yep. to kind of be the glue to keep everybody together. But being on your bike, like you said, 13, 14 hours, that's miserable. We did have another local guy, um, Alex Yale, who races for uh, Pacific yeah. Office Automation. Yep. Uh, he went out there. He's been very fit this year, and he ended up 22nd overall. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he did quite well yep. as well. So He's a Cat 1 roadie guy? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So pretty crazy. Unbound. Good on all y'all. Yeah. I have mad respect for, for what Mr. Surratt and everybody else did in that race. There's so much stuff online. I just I was just eating it up all weekend long watching. I didn't watch it because it was only on Flow Sports and you had to pay like thirteen bucks a month and sign a year long thing to do yeah. it. And I just I, I just saw an didn't. email come through from USA Cycling this morning about some sort of a partnership that they just created with Flow Sports to start broadcasting races. Did you see? I didn't get a chance to look at the whole it, no. thing, but I'll have to pull that up. There's some sort of a new partnership and agreement between USA Cycling and Flow. That's good for bike racing. That is good. That's really good for yeah. like, you know internet or like national bike racing. You know, if you can start watching the likes of like Criteriums and road races and, and gravel and all that other stuff here in the United States, that's going to get more people excited about riding and racing bikes. Well, a lot of the crits, um, th- there is a website that that um, broadcasts the crits for free. Really? Yes. It's like uscrits.us or something. I don't know what it, it is, but I know a lot of the crit races are all already broadcast for free no that's good so but but yeah all this other stuff any more exposure we can get for cycling the better yeah exactly anything else am i forgetting anything uh the dauphine uh finished up we i guess did we talk about that with them we did no just a little bit yeah richie port ended up winning the dauphine um and and that's all i know i don't even know and then evan promptly doubled down on (laughs) richie port winning the the tour de france and being the gc guy for uh Oh, geez. No, Bernal's going to be the guy for Ineos anyway. 
Yeah. What about Carapaz? Do you see? Yeah, there's lots of guys. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be Richie. What Porter. about Garant Thomas? I mean, what's he doing? He's going to be a. He's going to be there as well. So yeah, he's I mean, really going to double down on Richie Port, huh? I, yeah, I don't know. You know, Evan <laughs> Evan lives in his own world. We like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. All right, I think we're uh, we're long enough into this. Oh show. my goodness, we are. Champ out. Champ, see you, buddy. Hey, um, I think. Uh, I think that's about it for this week. I, I don't really have much else to talk about, and I, it, I don't know, we've got some guests that we're trying to get lined up. We're I know trying that, to line some up stuff yeah, up. Yeah. We've got some other people that are going to come in here and talk and whatnot, so we've been talking about that for a little while, but it's just been busy times, but we'll get them there. Um, we will be back next week live streaming and doing all that fun stuff, and um, we really do appreciate everybody that listens and supports the show. It's just really fun to uh, just being at the triathlon race this weekend. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a triathlete. I don't speak triathlon. I still have people come up and talk to me about the podcast. Oh, that's cool. I'm like yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> you should just stick to riding bikes so. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow uh we appreciate everybody that listens and gives us feedback and supports and it's just fun i i love this community and i love what this has done it's just been uh, spectacular so we do appreciate all of you we will see you next week bye for now bye.